Hello everyone, and welcome back to Object Class Interviews, another episode of the show where your hosts, A Random Day and Captain Kirby, argue with each other and call it a podcast. On tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about interview logs. A common tool in every SCP author's toolbox, it's when you put a researcher and an anomaly in a room together and have one ask the other questions. Of course, it doesn't have to be the researcher asking the anomaly questions. Kirby and I want to talk about what interview logs are, what they're used for, and how you can write effective, surprising interview logs in your own articles. To start us off, Kirby, I think we first need to ask, what is an interview log useful for? I think an interview log either needs to service and develop the characters in the log, advance the plot and push the story forward of your article, or it should complete a joke or set up a punchline for your uh, anomalies joke. What do you think? I pretty much agree with that, although I would kind of go a little bit further. I think that it should do at least two of those three things. Like, I'll, I'll take them individually. If I'm just setting up for a punchline, then unless the punchline is, like, in the interview log is extremely short, usually you want to fill that setup with more than just setup. You want to fill it with either some sort of uh, progression escalation of your core plot points, so that way there's some sort of build up to your punchline. Or there's a sense of character voice to uh, make the setup itself a little bit more palpable and entertaining. If you like, if you just have setup for a punchline without one of the other two points, then that's going to feel a little thin, even if it's just in service of a punchline. Uh, if you are looking at like just character development, then one of the issues with that is if that character development isn't necessarily in service of a greater uh, punchline or plot point, then it's going to feel very fluffy and like it's just there and doesn't really serve a purpose. And then lastly, if we are looking at conflict or developing a plot point, usually that plot point, either again, you are want to do something where you have a punchline at the end of it, so that way you set, you progress your plot and then it ends, and we don't really have to see those characters again, or those characters are important to the plot, and at that point, it's very important that you develop them and you give them a strong voice, so on and so forth. Honestly, character development and voice should probably be always present, but like its value and importance in an interview log is kind of dependent on how much it does the other two things. I agree with you that I think a good interview log does at least two of these three things. It services characters, advances plot, and or completes a joke, but it doesn't have to do everything in equal quantities. I think it's more than okay and probably preferable to focus on one of these three goals in your interview and then develop one of the other two slightly off to the side. The goal is to flesh out your interview log while still keeping it brisk and to the point because you don't want to have an interview log that just goes nowhere. One of the uh, articles that I want to talk about is one of my own SCP articles, SCP-2820 Vaishnavastra. It is an article about a death ray that pretends it is a Hindu god. So of the interview triangle, servicing characters, advancing plot, and completing a joke, SCP-2820 services its characters and advances a plot. Where after uh, our first two, a couple of interview logs, where we learn about what the anomaly is and sort of what it believes itself to be, we see the progression of like how it does what it does, killing reality benders, until a final interview log that acts as sort of a cap for the article for the character's growth. Well, it doesn't really have growth, really. Two eight twenty is an example of an article that has a voice, but not necessarily character growth. 
SCP-2020's interview log is designed to show us a character that is like completely enveloped in their own fantasy and is unwilling and unable to change that. It kills people, but it believes that it is doing the right thing. And the way that it explains that it's doing the right thing engenders sympathy in the reader because we get the sense at the very end that it doesn't actually want to be a god. And I think that adds the perfect hint of tragedy to ground the more fantastical elements of the article, such as death rays and extremely convoluted means of killing reality. Yeah, when you look at the interview logs here, they do the main thing that you actually expect them to do in-universe. When you go and you do an interview log in-universe, the point is to essentially learn more about the anomaly that you're interviewing. But one of the one of the reasons why people sometimes struggle with interview logs is that if in an interview someone asks a question and then someone just answers that question and like that's all that's really going on in the interview, then that's not necessarily going to make for an interesting article. If an interview is really what it says on the tin, that's going to be normally fairly boring to read. And the way that you spice that up is either the interview doesn't go immediately the way that it is planned, or it has something to do with the voice of the characters. And usually you kind of get a combination of the two in that the voice is very is very strong, and then on top of it, the answers themselves create further conflict that makes the interview itself more than just a question and answer section. Essentially, 2820, the interviews here are fairly interview-answer patterned, but they get by on the fact that the answers further the mystery of the article and the tone. It gives you a very strong sense of what this death ray thinks of itself. And I think that's very important to point out. There's not just the voice here, but also the intrigue behind the answers. Because that's one way that you can kind of do plot a progression in an interview log. Ask a question, but then the answer essentially prompts more questions in a way that may push back against maybe preconceived notions of the reader, preconceived notions of the interviewer, and prompts further intrigue. That's just like one example, though, of kind of how you would do that within an interview log. I think it also helps that like just the way that these questions are being answered gives you a really strong character voice in general, even through the terse nature of the interview logs. I think that a lot of people can struggle to like develop a strong character voice when it comes to writing interview logs. Kirby, do you have any advice for people trying to develop like strong character voice in an interview log? To me, when I'm developing a voice for a character, I usually first ask myself, like, first, I need to know the character very well. If I know what the character acts like around people, what they act like when they're alone, um, what they want to get out of the interview log, how they're feeling during the interview, things like that, that will help me start to piece together the image of who is saying these lines. And once you have a very strong idea of who is saying these lines, then you can kind of start to ask yourself, well, what do they really sound like? I think one of my favorite examples, one of my favorite like interview logs in general, uh, we have the interview in 3197. SCP-3197 is about essentially... I'm just a really big fan of this piece in general. It's so good. It's so good. It's like, it's like quintessential SCP. It's like, it's it's fantastic. It's about a little shrine to Alan Greenspan, who is the chairman of the Federal Reserve. And essentially, when you pray at this little shrine and you do this little ritual, the stock markets will go whatever way you want them to. 
most of the article consists of an interview with someone who made heavy use of this ritual and this shrine to essentially further his own personal wealth. What's really great about the way the interview works is that the author came into this having a very good idea of what kind of a person the interviewee is. The interviewer doesn't have the most vibrant personality, which is usually something that, like, giving the interviewer a personality is always really helpful in an interview, but this is not a particularly good example of that, but it doesn't really need it because of how strong the voice is of this Wall Street bigwig who is being interviewed. 3197 hits the points on the triangle of servicing a character with a strong voice and also setting up a punchline because the ending of the article is, like, both super darkly funny and really caps off for us what kind of a man Jack Rossi, the subject of this interview log, is. Exactly, yeah. And one of the things that um, I'm going to come back to is, while the per- the interviewer doesn't have the most vibrant personality, that's fine because this the point of the interview is to set up Rossi and to set up the punchline. And so once we hit the punchline, we never really care about the researcher again. So it's okay that he's there mostly to further and prompt Rossi because a lot of the interview is just Rossi talking about the past going off of the interview questions, which is, again, fine because of how strong the voice is and how well it kind of tells this miniature story of what it was like back in, like, I think it was back in the 90s when they were making all this money. Again, it sets up for this punchline that really cements and puts the final dot on this character. And again, if the interview didn't have that solid punchline, then the fact that it just sits here and develops this character wouldn't be as entertaining because there wouldn't be the so what, the answer to the question, so what, why am I reading this interview article, wouldn't be as obvious. Whereas here, we read about this character, we are wondering, well, what's this building to? And then we get to that last line and we're like, ah, that's what this entire article was setting up for. I see what the point of this was now. That was good. One thing that's important to keep in mind, though, when I when we talk about, like, setting up a punchline or devising a joke, it doesn't have to be, and it's a bad idea to try and force it into the traditional, like, setup punchline format. Because 3197 does not do that at all. The joke comes out of nowhere because all we get is the punchline. The character himself is the setup. Yeah. So, like, as we're learning more about this character, as we're hearing him talk, we're hearing about his callousness, his lack of respect for people, his willingness to go the extra mile to make money, we get an idea for who this character is, but he still doesn't feel quite that different from, like, from a background character in, like, The Wolf of Wall Street. The punchline is what puts him over the top and establishes him as a unique character voice in his own right. Yeah. Again, I use this as an example, but I, this isn't obviously the only way you have to use interview logs. I I love this interview logs for the reasons that I just ranted on about, but obviously you can use interview logs and have like very established characters that um, set up for longer articles. I'll, I'll go to a very, this is a very recent article that I'll use as an example of um, essentially making heavy use of character-driven um, interview logs to further a plot. SCP-5002, essentially 90% interview logs. And that's because 5002 is an SCP form of a whodunit mystery. SCP-5002 hits the characters and plot points of our interview log triangle. And I think what really makes this article work is because it's a whodunit, not only are like the people being interviewed characters in their own right, 
but the plot is advanced through the interviewer themselves who develops as a character and uh, develops a strong voice as they progress the plot. Yeah. Which is something that I don't think we see in a lot of interviews. In a lot of articles, we'll see like sequential interview logs between one interviewer and one anomaly as these two go back and forth. But 5002 is special in that we have one interviewer and a lot of interviewees. And this gives Peaceful room to develop the interviewer as a character and make her the protagonist of our art of the article. So yeah, to speak. like this is, in my opinion, a like almost the gold standard for when I was talking about making your interviewer have a, a vibrant personality and be an important character. To me, this is like the gold standard for that because in Five Thousand and Two, the core thing that we're following. Like, aside from the mystery, we're following the interviewer. And in a lot of SCP articles, if you're sitting down and doing an interview, oftentimes the interview is centered around the SCP. And so you spend a lot of your time trying to develop the SCP that's being interviewed or like a witness related to the SCP that's being interviewed. It's usually about the interviewee. Like that's the point of an interview. It's to gain more information from the person you're asking questions to. But since we're following the interviewer, Sure, they're going around uh, trying to get this information put together, this mystery, but we get to see their growth in a sense. They don't grow a ton because the most of the point is the whodunit. So we get like a little bit of character growth out of the main character, but that's okay. You don't need a ton. It's a it's a murder mystery at the end of the day. And like the interviews themselves, all of the voices from all the characters are so strong and so distinct. No two characters read the same, and that's, like, really impressive given the wide range of characters. Like, when you have multiple different uh, characters that you're doing interview logs for, interview logs are generally one of the few situations where we get to see dialogue from a character. So you want to make the voice really stand out, especially more than you might in, like, traditional prose and fiction, because there you don't necessarily just have the interview to hear their voice, but you might get it through um, interiority from first person perspective or like third person if they peek into the character's head you might get some there like there's a lot more places to give voice for characters in traditional prose but in scps if you want a specific character to sound a very certain way this is what you do in an interview log you use that interview log to make them sound that way and so doing that consistently in a unique and different way for like seven or eight different characters that all sound distinct and like that's why I think um, that's why I think five thousand two is like a fantastic example of like interview logs. Sure, it it gets help in being able to use interview logs in this way because it's a whodunit murder mystery. You get to have your suspects and the way that you and you interview them because that's just part of the operation. But that doesn't take away from how well it does the characters themselves and how well it is able to develop a central interviewer character that we get to follow and live with for the entirety of the article. So one thing I actually want to touch on with SCP-5002 is how it uses the like tropes and character archetypes of a whodunit to, as a base to develop both fascinating characters and a fascinating plot that all connect back to each other. I think that's something you can struggle with when it comes to writing an interview log. It's possible for you to write a really strong character voice who is so strong that they're out of place with the rest of the art. You need to be careful when you're writing an interview log to make sure that your character's voice still works in the overall context of the article. I'm of course going to be talking about my own SCP-4220 in this context, mainly as a cautionary tale. 
because although I think it does a lot of things good, as it should, I wrote it. <laughs> I think I agree with one major criticism, which is that the first half of the article is kind of a complete tonal shift from the second half of the article that doesn't really gel that well. And this is almost entirely due to the interview log of the ghost of Jack Parsons, who was a real-life rocket scientist and occultist. Think like Ozzy Osbourne meets James Goddard. The interview log follows the sort of Q&A format of like SCP-2820, but Parsons has a really strong and a really entertaining voice that really could qualify the interview log by itself as its own article. Unfortunately, it's not its own article. There is an entire second half of the article after we after like we clear through all the fun wacky sex stuff that's like serious prisoner of war Soviet uh, zombie space program stuff that doesn't really gel that well with the first half of the article. So I think the lesson to take away from 4220 is that when you are writing a character, you want the voice of your character to be consistent with the tone of the article you're trying to go for. Don't try to write like an over-the-top memorable character because you need one of those in your interview log. You can have a memorable character who is completely grounded and like totally normal. I was about to say, I think that um, one of the things that is kind of important, and this is uh, not even just an interview log specific thing. It's going to be, it comes up in interview logs, but it's about like character development in general. It's that when you are writing a story, if you know the kind of mood that you're going for in your article, that you you want to make sure that each part of your article is consistent with the mood you have going for it. So if you're trying to write a very serious, dark piece, unless you're going for like dark humor, you probably don't want your interview to be particularly flippant. If you are trying to write like a very surrealist piece, you probably don't want your interview to feel super grounded. There's obviously exceptions to the rule, but like when you're developing a character in a voice, you have to make sure that that voice contributes not just to making that individual interview entertaining, but that it contributes to the entire article around it. Because at the end of the day, an interview is just one part of an SCP. There's still a description, containment procedures, probably some other addenda that you also need to account for when you're writing your interview to make sure it all meshes together into a single cohesive piece. Yeah, it's important to make sure that your interview log isn't just a good interview log, but also a good part of your article overall. If it goes in the middle, then I think it's fair to say that your interview log should probably be like developing a character and servicing the plot. Whereas if it goes to the end, then I think it's fair to say you should probably focus more on like developing a punchline or setting up a stinger in your interview log. Yeah. Honestly, I want to talk a, more, a little bit more about like interviews that go in the middle of articles because I think that showcasing character development through interview logs is something that it's a very useful thing for interview logs because if you want to get insight into a character, there's two ways that you hear from characters. They're characterized either by their actions and their words. And while actions are extremely powerful, the way you're going to get words from your character is via an interview log. So I kind of want to take a look at two examples and articles that I've written that use interview logs as a way to progress extremely character-driven plots. The first one that I wanted to talk about is a relatively well-known piece, uh, SCP-3844 to Slay a Dragon. I like this article. This is a very good article. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with how this article goes about telling its story. 
because the story is told through a combination of this changing um it's an iteration space format screw i'm not going to talk about format screw perspective i just really kind of want to talk about the interviews in it because the story is told through like this ever-changing description and each iteration has a different interview log each of the interview logs you get to see a very clear progression from both the anomaly the dragon and from the interviewer who is consistent like throughout the entire thing so one little detail i really like in scp3844 is how the titles of the interview are changed i think that's a really clever little detail and a great way to showcase like how the world around the interview is changing yeah that, that's something that's very purposefully done to like really nail down the change in these characters and and i kind of come to change a lot because a lot of times if you have an interview you may just have one interview and so we get just that one snapshot of a character. And and if that's the case, it's it doesn't necessarily make sense to have like a ton of growth over that individual moment. You want to flush out a moment, but you don't always need growth within an individual moment. But if you have a number of interviews in a more character-driven SCP, then you definitely want to make sure that there is change in the characters between interviews. And the way that you do it is obviously you want to make sure that there's like actions that they're taking that reflect their character. But this is also where coming back to having a strong voice is important because you want that voice, you want it to change and then begin to contrast with their actions, or you want that voice to change. You want that personality to change. The dragon and the researcher from the beginning of 3844 kind of sound and interact with each other in a very different way from the end. They, they approach each other, they speak to each other differently. And this change in their voice and their interactions is how I make clear the change in character and development that both of them undergo. Because like a lot of the story is about character interaction, and that's what that's another thing that interview logs are really for. It's not just one character that you're going to hear the thoughts and voice of. If you only want one character, sometimes you can just do diary entries, but diary entries are its own entire topic. Interviews are, by definition, two people talking to each other. It's an interaction, and so you get to see not just uh, how one character grows in a vacuum, but how it grows relative to another character. And I think that that is a lot of what like 3844 plays off of. It plays off of how these two characters change their behavior and their action around each other in these progressing interviews. One thing that 3844 does really well that I think a lot of people writing interview logs might forget is that Someone is not going to change because they, like, answered questions for five minutes in a gray room with four walls. You can show how char their character is, like, has changed between logs and is consistent in itself, but I think you gotta, when you're writing an interview log, you gotta be good about indirectly showing how characters change rather than trying to directly show that in your article because you can't just have your characters announce how they feel. That makes me feel angry. You have to be a little more subtle than that, and 3844 does a really good job of using its description and the constantly changing setting to showcase how its characters change and how the world of and how the article's plot affects the character's development. 3844, a lot of the characterization technically happen, happens off screen, and what you see is they they come back and they talk to each other again, having already changed, and you see the results of that. I will second ARD's opinion that an interview isn't that long, and people tend to take a while to change. 
So you can have a character change over the course of an article, and that article can still be relatively short, but you don't want them to change over the course of like a single 10-minute stretch in universe. That would be a little hard for someone to, to stomach because if you're looking at a, like a large change in the way that they act and their personality and like how they view the world, that's usually not something that takes five minutes to change. That's something that takes days, months, years, depending on exactly what happens. 344's interviews have consistent characters with strong voices and clear evidence of their development, but they don't actually develop in the interview logs themselves. Yeah, yeah. And then the other the other article that I think is a reasonably good example of using interviews to do character development um, from my work is uh, SCP-3511, Reach Out and Touch. I don't think I've actually read this one. Uh, I wrote this back in 2018, so it's been it's been a minute. Essentially, it has a semi-similar setup to 3844. It's not a format screw, but it does have a series of interviews between um, a Foundation interviewer and the Anomaly, who is simply a girl who is unable to touch another living thing. Like they they just simply can't get close enough for for her to make contact with them. The way that she came about to gain this uh, property, the way that she's treated with it, the things that she goes through because of it, there's a lot to explore there. And here, we don't have so much character development over long stretches of time. Instead, what we have is that we see character development through plot progression that's much more direct. They don't just go off screen, change, and come back. They go away from their interview and then something happens, like there's some triggering event, and then the two come back and they talk again. Usually, we don't see a lot of change from the Foundation interviewer. They are still trying to do their job. A lot of the change that you see, though, comes from the anomaly because you get to see in each interview... Like, when you're put in foundation containment, it's not exactly a pleasant thing. And so you get to see sort of... A, a descent is a bit of a strong term, but you get to see... You get to see that they're the anomaly, their condition, like, all of their circumstances slowly start to get to them. And here is a case where... Having a personality for your researcher is very important, even if it's, again, not the most vibrant and uh, doesn't necessarily stand out the most. Because here, the researcher is meant kind of a way for us to get a comparison between standard levels of being okay and whatever our anomaly is at. They're obviously trying to be compassionate whenever they speak to the SCP, but there's a contrast there between the way that the interviewer speaks and the way the anomaly speaks that kind of heightens the contrast between how they they feel in that moment that is what i use to escalate like the development of the girl in this article until we reach the end i think something a lot of people don't really think about when they're writing interview logs is that it's okay for like one of the sides of the interviewer to not have like a thoroughly well fleshed out personality as long as you can get the sense that there is a character there with desires and goals and wants beyond just learning more information about the anomaly. Yeah. That's one thing that like Dr. Wei, the interviewer in 3511, does really well. We understand that he really wants to help 3511 and we understand that he like, he sympathizes with her and that he actually cares. Wei and 351 both really want this problem to be fixed. And because we're experiencing this problem through both of their eyes, we as readers are invested in like figuring out 
How to Help 3511, which makes the ending that much more emotionally fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Again, I want to come back to something that you said that like the interviewer has a goal beyond just learning information. This is something that I think is present in pretty much all really good interviews. Both characters have a desire that's a, like a little bit external to the interview. And then through the interview, they attempt to like accomplish whatever goal they have in mind. Like uh, in 3844, the researcher wants to keep this dragon contained and the dragon wants to be able to fly again. And they try to use the, the interview as a way to both get what they want. To me, one of the strongest bits of the article is the underlying tension between both these characters wanting to preserve their friendship despite also having completely diametric goals. Yeah. Baking conflict into your interview beyond just a que- the questions and the answers, baking that into the subtext is, is what makes an, art, an interview really pop. When an interview is more than just the questions and the answers, that's what makes it feel compelling to a reader. Because answers and questions are easy. They aren't challenging to the narrative in any way, if that's all that you have. What makes them feel important is how they contribute to everything else. Because if all you have are questions and answers, then that's not much better than than an exposition dump. And that's not what you you have characters, you have them speaking, you have them interacting. Don't just use that to give us exposition and dump it on us. Use that to give us something much more vibrant than that. An answer only has weight to a reader when we want the question answered in the first place. If you give us a question and then you answer before we even like have time to process the question, then it's it doesn't have nearly as strong of an impact. Questions are only as important as the reader makes them out to be. And sometimes the important part of the question doesn't need to be the answer. It can be the subtext underlying asking the question itself. There's so many ways to imbue impact and emotion and uh, tension into an interview. Because at the end of the day, in universe, the point of it is to get information out of an anomaly by asking it questions. But in reality, it is the part of the article where you get to give characters dialogue. And what you have to do is that you have to use the pretense of an interview to make that dialogue work. It has to, it's it's part of constrained writing. Your constraint for this section of dialogue is that it is in the context of an interview. Now use that to go do the thing you actually want to do with that section of writing. It's a tricky balancing act, I think, because like you have to devise two characters. You have to come up with like good voices for them. You have to figure out what questions can I ask that are both like relevant in universe and also relevant to what my reader wants answered. And if you're going for a more character focused log, you got to juggle the struggles of like, who are the characters in this interview log and how can I actually develop a character if all I'm doing is questions and answers? Coming up with solutions to these problems is how you come up with a good interview log. I think I've hit all the points that I had in mind coming into this about interviews. The point about what you want to do with an interview, how you want to approach writing the characters for an interview. Uh, is there any other points that you wanted to, to hit or examples you wanted to bring up? I think Kirby and I both agreed that like a good interview log tries to do two of three things. It tries to service characters or advance plot or complete a joke. It doesn't have to give equal weight to these two, any two points on this triangle, but I think the strongest interview logs focus on one point of the triangle and then flesh it out and supplement it with elements from another point on the triangle. SCP-2820 
advances a plot and also creates a strong character voice. SCP-3197 gives us a strong character voice and also accentuates that character with a wickedly funny punchline. SCP-3844 gives us empathetic and engaging characters and develops a plot that is like engaging and tense because it's not just about whether or not this thing will be contained, it's about whether or not this the character's friendship will be preserved. Hitting these points on the interview triangle will make your interview logs a lot stronger as you get better at doing them. At the end of the day, you're writing dialogue for characters, which means that the dialogue will only be as strong as your characters are. So regardless of what you're doing on the triangle, the triangle is very important. But remember that almost regardless what you do will fall flat if your characters and your dialogue are not engaging. So like, take a moment when you write your interview log, step back, read it out loud, and see if you think that's what your characters would really say. An interview log is really just one of the tools in an author's toolbox for conveying dialogue, really. And dialogue is one of the foundational bedrocks of a story. Of course, not all articles need interview logs, but I can say that a really good interview log can make a good article great. Agreed. Yep. I think that's really all I've got to say about interview logs. Kirby, anything else you want to touch no, on? I have hit all of my points. My agenda is filled. Kirby, thanks for your time as always. Listeners, thank you for tuning in to Object Class Podcast.